Welcome to Roaring Adventist Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Selena Gordon and I'm here with my friends. I'm Rose Abrams. I'm Matt Abbott. And we're bringing you the March edition of Roaring Twenties Radio. So <laughs> it's lovely to be back in here. Windy old May, March. I'm really losing track of time and the months, but it is spring and there is hope in the air. So Matt, um, before we go into the show, please can we start with this kick-ass track which is by Janelle Monet. I love it. It's powerful and it's for the film and the American documentary film All In, The Fight for Democracy, which has been produced by Liz Garbus and revolves around voter suppression and the story of Stacey Abrams. So let's have a listen to that and then let's go to the show. The table about to turn. The table about to turn. The table about to turn, yeah. Uh, I've been flipping through my timeline, trying to get my mind right. My city cried out. I got to cool down, but I'm under pressure. Looking with my Crisco, look at where my fist go. A renegade when I'm in a rage. I got to cool down, but I'm under pressure. I keep my hands dirty, my mind clean. Got a new agenda. A new dream. I'm kicking out the old regime. Liberation, elevation, education. America, you a lie. But the whole world about to testify. I said the whole world about to testify. And the table's about to, the, the table's about to. Then you should do the dishes Burning down plantations uh. Ain't no parking, I don't need no validation I like sage when I'm in a rage uh. I don't need permission, I got my intuition Hands dirty, mind clean A different vision with a new dream uh. We kicking out the old regime Liberation, elevation, education I said America, use a lie But the whole world about to testify I said the whole So that was Janelle Monet with Turntables. I love that song. Let's keep the tables turning. Well, how have yes, you man. been since I last saw you? You two, have you been okay? It's sunny now instead of snowy. That's good. 
it makes a huge difference. I've been okay. Definitely this week has been great because I've been able to see more people. I saw my aunt for the first time in over a year because she's had the vaccine and, you know, she wasn't in London, but she could come for one day. Nice. And, um, so that was really, really nice. And, um, yeah, that's what I'm enjoying, being able to be – and, yeah, sun, the weather, being able to be outside without freezing or feeling like you're going to kind of get hypothermia has been mm. good. Yeah, the daily walks as well. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I was just going to say I got my I got my vaccination, so I've had oh, the nice. first jab. Um, oh, and I was all jokes. It was all funny and making jokes. And then 12 hours after I had it, oh, the, the side effects are hardcore, man. It's Yeah, it was quite pokey. So I had to spend at least a day and a half under my blanket, shivering and fluey, and my head kind of felt like it was going vroom, 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 vroom. It's really oh. weird. It's a really weird effect going on in my brain. Um, that's probably where the microchip was settling into my brain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it it was a really uh, it's, it's it's like an injection of hope. I was on such a buzz after I got the first injection and it's just a step in the right direction. And I really hope that my friends and the rest of my family can have it. because I can't wait to hug everyone and see you all again. Yeah. We're getting there, aren't we? Slowly. It seems. Slowly, yeah. Ah, <sighs> good. Yeah. And just going off of a daily walk, like it'd be dark by the time our show finishes, even by the time our show starts, it'd be dark usually, wouldn't it? So that makes a big difference. It's all good. It's just mad that it's been a year since we were in the studio as well. Like, just over a year since we were in the studio. That's crazy. It, that wow. is crazy. And I but I remember it very vividly. remember being in town, and I remember um, we went to the pub, didn't we? Yeah. And we had, like, we went to the pub afterwards, and we had, like, a little drink, and I had to go to my friend's birthday party, which is probably the last normal thing that I did. And it was, yeah, I vividly remember that. And then off we went into yeah, the we night. Were... I do remember the beat. London was quite empty already. Yeah, it was quiet, wasn't it? We were sat in the window, obviously, in the Soho studio, looking out of a window, and it, it was quite quiet. And we were like, oh, this is a bit odd. We just had no idea. Yeah, no, it's so strange. It's been, yeah, it's been a year since we did a gig. It's been, it's, it's all like a year later now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I really feel like I've aged. But, but hey, we've stayed safe and we've got so much to be grateful for and so much to be thankful for. Um, and, uh, and you know, and every day we're a step closer towards the light and towards getting through this. So that's quite enough lock, lockdown-y talk. Let's have some, um, let's um, go over to Matt's corner. And Matt, what have you got for the show for us today? And are you going to do your bit now? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So I've got some great clips from an event that I did on Sunday. Well, I say an event that I did. Uh, Nims and Folks produced an event for Leeds Lit Fest to celebrate International Women's Day on Sunday. Uh, we had feature sets from Teresa Lola, Erin Bowlings and Reese Lyons. And we also had nine women on the open mic as well. I was lucky enough to be on the Zoom because I was teching it. Uh, it was like a private event. So it was a real safe space. Um, loads of amazing women. We had open micers from Peru, from Glasgow, from Leeds, all sharing the work. And it was really powerful. Um, so I've managed to get some exclusive clips from that that I'm going to share. Uh, one or two of the poetry bits as well. Um, music by women. Um, and then I've got my roundup as well. I've got loads of jam-packed poetry and uh, International Women's Day goodness, basically. That's what I'm looking forward to. 
What about yourself, Rose? What have you got? I am going to be talking about NFTs. I'm trying to talk about NFTs without making a complete fool of myself. It's so much easier from behind a keyboard, as we all know. Um, and I will also be playing a clip um, from Relax Baby Be Cool by my friend Jeremy Allen. He's written a biography of Serge Gainsbourg. Um, we're going to be playing a track that Serge wrote. And I will also be playing music made by women. Nice. And coming up in the show, in my section, I have a salute to Lawrence Ferlinghetti and a little chat about the beat poets. Um, I also have some exclusive special nuggets of joy from author Stella Duffy and Max Porter and also um, some poetry and, um, and an exclusive track, which I'm going to tell you about. So you have to stay tuned before I can tell you. You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio, the monthly show for art, culture, books, poetry and activism. My name's Matt Abbott, I'm a poet and activist from Wakefield, and my co-presenters are author and activist Selena Godden and arts journalist Amber Rose Abrams. So my section is a roundup from the world of spoken word poetry. I'm going to give you some events, some pieces of content and some books to look out for. And then I'm going to give you some highlights from an International Women's Day event that Nims and Thugs produced for Leeds Lit Fest on Sunday the 7th of March to mark International Women's Day, which was, of course, at the start of this week. So my roundup of events. Uh, first up, Queer and Still Here which is produced by Spork Poetry. So that's on Wednesday, the 24th of March at 8pm. Tickets are a fiver. The lineup includes Buddy Wakefield, Reese Lyons and loads more. And Queer and Still Here is basically saying you shouldn't just celebrate queer poets for one month a year. 
because obviously February was LGBT History Month. You should celebrate queer poets every month, and I agree. So check out Queer and Still Here through Spork Poetry on Wednesday the 24th. The Gobs Collective, that's G-O-B-S, Gobs Collective, they're based in Nottingham. They've got a showcase on Saturday the 27th at 7pm, which is free to attend. Uh, Casey Bailey is doing a set there. There'll be poem films, there'll be other performers, there'll be tons of poetry-based content. So that's through the Gobs Collective on Saturday the 27th, and that's free. Uh, an organisation called Dardishi presents some poetry workshops with Lisa Lux. Uh, Lisa Lux is one of our favourite poets. We've featured her work a couple of times on this show. This workshop is for mixed heritage folk. Um, it's pay what you feel. You can get free tickets and the most expensive ticket is £12. So it's pay what you feel between zero and £12. There are two workshops. So the first is on Saturday the 27th of March and the second is on Saturday the 24th of April from 4 till 7pm. So that's Dardishi presenting Lisa Lux running some poetry workshops. Uh, Outspoken Live returns on Sunday the 28th of March. So Outspoken Live before COVID would take place at the South Bank Centre, which is absolutely phenomenal for a poetry event to take place at the South Bank Centre. This is still in partnership with South Bank. Obviously, it's online. Uh, Sunday the 28th, Tickets are £7.50 and poets include Jay Bernard and Caleb Femi, so that is not to be missed. And finally, I'd like to give a shout out, as always, to the Nymphs and Thugs Insta Sessions that I run. Uh, this month is very international, as it happens, so this Tuesday's session is with Toby Abiodun, who's uh, from Nigeria. Uh, following that, Leila Jane King from Iran, and following that, Mariam Saeed Khan from Pakistan. So these Insta sessions are every Tuesday night on the Nymphs and Thugs Instagram account from 7.30 to late. And it's just half an hour of really, really relaxed uh, performance and chat with um, a range of poets from around the world. So yeah, check that out. In terms of content pieces for you to check out. So the first one I'm going to highlight is the People's Poetry Podcast. Season six has just come out and it includes in-depth interviews with poets, including Holly McNish, Cecilia Knapp, Tyrone Lewis, Jason from Sleaford Mods and a whole host more. I love the People's Poetry Podcast. It's probably my favourite poetry podcast out there at the moment. Uh, and this new series looks absolutely fantastic. You can find that wherever you'd usually find all of your podcasts. So Spotify and all that jazz. Uh, there were a couple of pieces from Deanna Roger to mark International Women's Day. So first off, uh, Deanna was commissioned to write a reimagined version of If by Rudyard Kipling, which was then read by Serena Williams for BBC Sport. How impressive is that? Uh, and she was also commissioned to write a poem for the FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, both of those are on Twitter and online, so check them out. That's Deanna Roger with two amazing pieces for International Women's Day. There's a great article in the New York Times exploring the contemporary artists who are dismantling the barriers between hip-hop and poetry. So that's a great piece. Uh, poets who became rappers, rappers who turned to poetry, people who've always done both. Um, yeah, fantastic piece from the New York Times. Some, some artists in there that you'll know, but also some, ones, uh, some new artists for you to discover as well. Another feature that I really enjoyed was from Far Out magazine. So they um, produced a feature on Jack Kerouac's Poetry for the Beat Generation album. It was released on the now defunct Signature Records in 1959. Uh, it features Jack Kerouac's poetry, obviously, with piano backing from Steve Allen. And it's just a real time capsule, similar to the, the album that I spoke about on last month's show. It's just a real time capsule uh, that really embodies the Beat Generation. And obviously, with the passing of Lawrence Ferlin Getty recently, um, it seems like a really good time to, to revisit Jack Kerouac as well. And then finally, Tung Fu. 
Uh, they produced an event in person at the Grand Junction W2, which is a great new community arts initiative in Paddington in West London. Uh, poets included Vanessa Kisule, Cecilia Knapp and Anthony Anaxaguru. And that is available on demand. You can purchase tickets, uh, purchase tickets to watch it on demand until the 23rd of March. So don't miss out on that. And then finally, books. So first up, Luke Wright. Uh, his brand new book, The Feel Good Movie of the Year, is published by Pending the Margins this Monday. So obviously that's available to pre-order. Um, and just as an aside, Luke is doing gigs every night at 8pm um, in the lead up to that being published on Monday. It's already had rave reviews from people who've had advanced copies. So so check that out from Luke, The Feel Good Movie of the Year. Next, uh, Sophie Sparham. Uh, with The Man Who Ate 50,000 Weetabix. That's being published by Verve Poetry Press on the 22nd of April. And if you pre-order it directly through Verve, you get free UK PMP as well. So that's Sophie Sparham with The Man Who Ate 50,000 Weetabix. Um, Nine Archers Press published 100 Lockdown Sonnets, a real limited edition hardback version um, a few weeks back. It's, it's sold at Hotcakes. It's gone down really well. Uh, and the paperback version is on sale very, very soon. So check that out. That's 100 Lockdown Sonnets from Nine Archers Press. Amara Amaria, um, her new collection, The Opposite End, uh, sorry, The Opposite of an Exodus, is published on the 26th of March by Bad Betty Press. That's uh, Amara Amaria with The Opposite of an Exodus on Bad Betty Press. And finally, Cat Hepburn with Dating and Other Hobbies. That is being published by Burning Eye Books on the 29th of April. We've had some of Cat's poetry on this show before. She's a great poet. And this collection, Dating and Other Hobbies, as I say, is with Burning Eye on the 29th of April and is available to pre order now. And finally, just a little bit of news from my camp. Uh, Nymphs and Thugs have been successful again with a, a funding application to Arts Council England. Uh, it's a huge project uh, involving artists both in the UK and in the US. And in particular, it involves the LGBTQ uh, community. So I'm really excited to announce that. I'll be speaking about it more on next month's show, but I just wanted to share a bit of news. There's a lot of amazing poetry happening right now. Uh, poetry is adapted really well to the pandemic. There are so many poem films and events and really um, innovative and, and uh, inspiring uh, pieces of work out there. So, yeah, it's a really good time for poetry. Um, it's a struggle for me to condense this down to five, to be honest. Anyways, um, now we're going to have a tune. This is by She Drew the Gun and it is called Army Self. Enjoy. <laughs>
That was Arm Yourself by She Drew the Gun, which features on their 2018 album Revolution of Mind, uh, released by Skeleton Key. I absolutely love She Drew the Gun. This is one of my favourite albums of recent years. Uh, Louisa Roach is definitely a poet in her own right. Um, so yeah, check out that album Revolution of Mind by She Drew the Gun, and that track was called Arm Yourself. So as I mentioned in the intro, as we all know, it was International Women's Day earlier this week on Monday. Um, and the day before that, Nims and Thugs produced an event for Leeds Litfest to celebrate International Women's Day. It was hosted by Louise Fazakali. We had guest performances from Reese Lyons, Erin Bolands and Teresa Lola. And we also had nine women on the open mic as well. Uh, it was a private event, so you could only watch the event if you had a Zoom link, which created a really... Uh, supportive and celebratory and wonderful atmosphere. I was lucky enough to be on the call because I was just providing the tech with my camera switched off. Um, but yeah, the performances were breathtaking. We had open mic performers from Peru, Glasgow, Leeds, London, all over the shop. And as I said, we also had feature slots. Um, and I'm really happy that Reese and Erin and Teresa are happy for me to share a poem from each of their sets. So up first, I'm going to share you one of Reese's poems, which is called Girls Like Us. This is Reese Lyons with Girls Like Us. The first poem that I'm going to read is called Hashtag Girls Like Us. Um, it was written as a response to the hashtag that Janet Mock created um, for trans women to feel uh, unified in the sense of collectiveness online. So uh, if you don't know, Janet Mock is a black trans woman. Uh, she is a co-writer, I believe, on Pose, Pose FX. If you haven't seen Pose, what the fuck are you doing? You need to watch Pose. <laughs> um, season three is fast approaching. I believe it comes out in May. Um, so watch Pose, it's brilliant. Um, but yes, Janet Mock created this hashtag and I wanted to uh, respond to it poetically. So this is my response. We are the girls who serve fantasy at the self-service checkout in Sainsbury's, who are the definitions of an unexpected item in the bagging area. We are the girls with something extra. Girls like us, who possess a walk that is fit for the gods. One that stops traffic as we strut past. We are the girls who carry sass in our steps and always turn heads. Girls like us, who are the hot girl summers, dreaming of the day that we can bathe on beaches unbothered, free to reenact our own episodes of Baywatch, replace the convention of Pamela Anderson with girls like us, who are untouched, never had our hands held in the light, mistake fumbling palms for desirability, we are the girls who were never taught how to acknowledge our beauty, because boys were not meant to be beautiful, Girls like us, who are never considered to be girlfriend material, even though we are hot as fuck. Instead, we are made from loose seams, always breaking free from the fabrics of our flesh, taking on many different forms. A sari worn by the Hijra community, 
Till the feather headdress adorned by two spirits. Till the stiletto heels we flex in the city. We are the girls who never learned of their histories. Girls like us who find sisterhood within a hashtag. We are the, am I trans enough girls? The, I, don't, I know I'm trans, but I'm too scared to come out yet girls. Us who are questioning and us who are stealth. Us with supportive families and us by ourselves. Us who have learned how to wear pride on our sleeves and trans with a capital T. Girls like us, whose blood stains television screens every month. Girls like Naomi Hersey and Claire Legato. Girls like Malaysia Booker and Shinal Lindsay and Ellie Che. Girls like them, who are no longer with us, and all of the others, who are a symphony of unsung eulogies, the ones who get misgendered in police reports, who never make it to the news headlines. We are justice for the murders that go unrecognised, girls like us, who are still here against all odds. The sound of our heels clicking onto concrete is a celebration. A reminder that we are still walking that walk, fit for the gods. Girls like us, who you will find in the rubble of the construct, that we tore down with nothing but our bodies. What gender will your ash be when you burn? Just like us. That was Reese Lyons with Girls Like Us. And next up, we've got Erin Bolands. So this is a sequence of poems from her collection called Alternate Endings, which was published by Burning Eye recently. And uh, the, sec- the section is called Worry Doll. And honestly, when I was watching, I, I I was laughing throughout. It's just wonderful. It's so funny. It's so insightful. It's so sharp. It's, it's fantastic from Erin. Um, so there were actually a couple of tech issues on the recording during the gig, which meant the sound cut out once or twice. So Erin recorded this especially for us. Uh, this is Erin Bolands with a sequence called Worry Doll. Worry Doll. I worry about not doing enough exercise, so I go swimming. I worry that because I don't do enough exercise, my swimming is too slow for someone of my age, health and capability. I worry that the lifeguards are judging me. I worry they might suggest ways I can improve my technique. I worry they might ask why I am slow. In case this happens, this has never happened. I decide that I will say I am recovering from an injury, probably a torn ligament in my shoulder, and that not being able to swim faster is really frustrating. I worry that if I say this, it will lead to questions and conversations around shoulders and ligaments that my limited biology knowledge will not support. If this happens, I will say that I think it was a torn ligament, but I was too busy to get a diagnosis, so I'm just easing myself back into my very sporty life with some gentle swimming. Triathlon next. I make a mental note to never mention the word triathlon, not even as a joke. There is no scenario that would end well if I ended up having to do a triathlon to prove a point. It would kill me. I worry about my effects on the environment, so I decide to stop using tampons and pads. I Google menstruation cups. That's a minefield. There are different sizes and shapes. 
I don't know what size or shape my vagina is. I've never really seen it that way. No one has ever told me. It appears important to know how high your cervix is. And I'm not entirely positive. I'm 100% sure which bit the cervix is. I worry I don't know enough about my vagina. I worry my lack of knowledge about my vagina is impacting negatively on the environment. I Google how to find the height of my cervix. I instantly regret that. I worry about my internet browsing history. I always worry about my internet browsing history. I worry that they will scour it after I'm dead and draw false conclusions from the number of times I visit certain people's social media profiles. I worry that if I delete it, it will look like I have something to hide, which I do, but it's a slight obsession with what so-and-so is up to now or what what's-a-name looks like and a semi-genuine belief that I might be able to solve some of the most high-profile missing persons cases with a few sage Google searches. It's nothing sinister but if I delete it it might look like it mightn't it best to leave it then live with it die with it I worry that my housemates are shit at recycling I worry that they will think I'm a killjoy if I tell them that they're shit at recycling even in a nice way is there a nice way I worry about my lack of authority I worry that my lack of authority is having a negative impact on the environment I worry that I will run out of phone battery, so I take a power bank. I worry that might break, so I take two. I worry someone else might need a power bank but have a different phone, so I take three cables every time I leave the house. Sometimes I worry they will think I'm strange for having cables that I don't need, so I stop myself from offering my power bank. I worry about how much water or electricity or how many tired hands it took to make my power bank. I think maybe I should learn to read an actual map and to bloody relax. I worry that my lack of ability to read maps and to bloody relax is having a negative impact on the environment. I worry that people will think I'm just giving to my friends charity fundraising pages to look like a good person, so I do it anonymously. Then I worry that people will be wondering why I haven't donated to their charity fundraising pages. I worry about my need to please people. I worry that my need to please people is having a negative impact on charity fundraising. I worry about using the tap if a housemate is showering. I worry about showering in case a housemate needs to use the tap. Sometimes I fill up the washing up bowl and the kettle before I have a shower in case that's what they wanted the tap for. Sometimes I brush my teeth with water from my bottle if a housemate is in the shower. I'm fairly certain they don't care about either occurrence, but I had to have an interview for the room and anything that requires an interview makes me feel like I'm on probation. It's been three years. I worry about what the postman thinks of me because he almost always catches me in my pyjamas. Sometimes I quickly put lipstick on before I open the door so he might think I'm halfway through getting ready for a very important meeting. Then I worry that he actually thinks I put lipstick on just to open the door. I worry that the postman thinks I wait for him in lipstick and a bathrobe. I worry about my need to appear important. I worry that my need to appear important is having a negative impact on the postman. I worry about going to the doctors. I worry that I will be either wasting their time or f too far gone to help. I worry which clothes I might have to take off. I always wear an elasticated waist to the doctors and a long top. A tunic affair is ideal. If I know I'm going to have to take my bottoms off, I worry about my under the tunic area. I try to work out what will look most like I haven't thought about it. Essentially, I want my under the tunic area to convey to the doctor that I'm organised and comfortable and that I definitely haven't prepared it for an appointment. I never wear lace to the doctors. I want to portray a cool, empowered, relaxed vibe and that isn't an option in salons or the M&S lingerie department. It would be easier if the options were bikini, Brazilian, smear test. 
I worry about my worrying about the under the tunic area. I worry that my under the tunic area is having a negative impact on the NHS. Some things are worth worrying about. Your worries are proof of your care and your heart and your brain and your life. They're not an altar you must crumble at. Do not assume the cars will stop. Look twice. That's always been a good idea. Check your symptoms with a real life person who has done the reading for you. That is good. Use compassion as a compass and don't always feel the need to pack your bag in preparation for every sort of natural disaster every time you leave the house. I'm working on those ones. I am working on smiling at worry like a naff joke, on giving it the same amount of attention I give advertising or cold callers. I am making lists of things I used to worry about that melted, of things I might do with the time I used to use to worry. I look at these lists and I smile at times slight of hand, and then I worry that I've left off something really important. That was Erin Bolands with a sequence called Worry Doll. And the final poem from this event is by Teresa Lola. Uh, it was written at the start of lockdown. And the poem is called To My Neighbour Who Plays Music at Random Hours During the Day. This is Teresa Lola. So this poem, um, I wrote it at the start of lockdown, something slightly different. I wrote it at the start of um, lockdown. Um, and I wanted to write about the random things that I was witnessing and experiencing. Um, and there was someone down my road who was just, I don't know what mood they were in, but they were just playing music really loudly. And every day it would be a different genre. And I was very intrigued because one day it's like reggae and the next day it's soul. And you always knew like what mood they were in from the, from the songs. And I started to enjoy it. Um, and I thought I would write about this neighbor. So this is titled, to my neighbor who plays music at random hours during the day. My neighbor plays music at random hours during the week. Some days they play soul music, the kind that rests in the air and places a blanket over your wounds. Some days it's pop, oldies pop coated in leather trousers or new and recycled pop radio hits that make you feel like you're on a long queue at a retail shop in Oxford Circus. Some days it's Bob Marley swaying out of their speakers Occasionally, it's Afrobeat. There are days the song they play feels too coincidental to be ordinary. Days when they play a song that flies into my open window like a bird with a letter rolled inside its beak. A song that reminds me that there are so many ways to define living. I am tempted to talk to my neighbours about their playlist, to ask how each song found them and trilled them home like a roaming animal searching for an owner. I want to know what leads them to play the music, how they decide which song to play. Music never just appears out of nowhere. Something from within prompts a hand over that play button, a feeling like joy or nostalgia or sadness or a mix of things swirling inside you, thickening with each tease of fire. There are vague ideas that you can tell a lot about a person from the music they listen to. So when I am bored from writing poems, I play the game of trying to discover my neighbors through the music they listen to. Wonder if the stories of how they discovered track one that played on Thursday during that hot day in June that year is the same as how I discovered that track one too. Each song plays and I listen with eyes closed and with intent. And I think maybe we should all communicate through music. Let words dance with the life they truly deserve. Thank you.
That was the wonderful Teresa Lola, and those three poems that you heard were from poets who performed at the International Women's Day event that Nymphs and Thugs produced as part of Leeds Lit Fest. Uh, Leeds Lit Fest was absolutely wonderful. It was all online. Um, they're still taking donations, so if you can, please support Leeds Lit Fest and look out for everything um, that they continue to do both online and offline over the next year or two. Um, so that was my section. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please check out all of the books and events and and, and poets that I've recommended. Um, and I'm going to leave you a track, uh, leave you with a track that came out a couple of years back. And for some reason, it's revisited my head, and I just can't stop singing it. I can't stop playing it. Um, I'm sure you know it, but if you don't, this is uh, Aldous Harding with the Barrel. Enjoy. Cheers.
sad Show the ferret to the egg I'm not getting let alone City Lights Bookstore, San Francisco, uh, with some traffic noise which may punctuate the poems. The world is a beautiful place to be born into, if you don't mind happiness not always being so very much fun. If you don't mind a touch of hell, now and then, just when everything is fine, because even in heaven, they don't sing all the time. The world is a beautiful place to be born into, if you don't mind some people dying all the time, or maybe only starving some of the time, which isn't half so bad if it isn't you. Oh. The world is a beautiful place to be born into. If you don't much mind a few dead minds in the higher places or a bomb or two now and then in your upturned faces or such other improprieties as our name brand society is prey to with its men of distinction and its men of extinction and its priests and other patrolmen and its various segregations and congressional investigations and other constipations that our fool flesh is heir to. Yes, the world is the best place of all for a lot of such things as making the fun scene and making the love scene and making the sad scene and singing low songs and having inspirations and walking around looking at everything and smelling flowers and goosing statues and even thinking and kissing people and making babies and wearing pants and waving hats and dancing and going swimming in rivers on picnics in the middle of the summer and just generally living it up. Yes, but then, right in the middle of it, comes the smiling mortician. 
Hello, this is Selena Godden. Um, welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm starting my section of this March edition of our show with a little piece of uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti there. Lawrence Ferlinghetti um, was born March 24th in 1919 and we lost him on February 22nd, 2021. That's such a long life. He lived to 101 years old. It's just so amazing. He was instrumental in in literature. He was a giant. He's one of the he made one of the country's first all paperback bookstore in 1953, jump starting a movement. Um, I'm just going to tell you some bits for some of you who might not be familiar with Lawrence Ferlinghetti. He was a prominent voice of the wide open poetry movement that began in the 1950s. He wrote poetry in translation, fiction, theatre, art criticism, film narration and essays. He was often concerned with politics and social issues. Ferlinghetti's poetry counters an elitist conception of art and the artist's role in the world. Although his poetry is often concerned with everyday life and civic themes, it is never simply personal or polemical and it stands on his grounding in tradition and universal reach. He was born in Bronxville, New York, on March 24th, 1919. Son of Carlo Ferlinghetti, an immigrant from Italy, and following his undergraduate years at the University of North Carolina, he took a degree in journalism, um, and he served in the US Navy in World War II. He was a commander of three different submarine chasers at the Atlantic and saw action at the Normandy invasion. I mean, what a life. What a life. In 1945, just after the atomic bomb obliterated Nagasaki, he witnessed firsthand the horrific ruins of the city. This experience was the origin of his lifelong anti-war stance. In 1955, Ferlinghetti launched City Lights Publishers, with the Pocket Poets series, extending his concept of a cultural meeting place to a larger arena. His aim was to present fresh and accessible poetry from around the world in order to create an international dissident ferment. The series began in 1955 with his own pictures of the gone world, um, and then he carried on to, to just publish so many people and make so many... Um, make a platform for so many poets, um, it, mo mo most importantly or notably copies of Ginsberg's Howl and other poems, which were seized by authorities in 1956, and Ferlinghetti was arrested and charged with selling obscene material. He defended Howl in court, a case that drew national attention to the San Francisco Renaissance and the Beat Generation writers, many of whom he later published. Um, what else can I tell you? I mean, it's, it's just such, he has such a rich and amazing life. He was a giant in publishing and he will be sorely missed. Um, in 2007, he was named Commander Order des Arts des Lettres. In Italy, his poetry has been awarded with the Premio Taumori. <laughs> I can't speak Italian, but yeah, he's won loads of prizes and has loads of letters after his name. I... I'm going to speak personally now. I remember um, in the 90s when we were first starting um, our own little imprint, it was a, 
audio magazine called Saltpeter, and I remember him sending us a copy of A Coney Island of the Mind, and I remember just loving the name Ferlinghetti. During that era in the 90s, I was very big on the beats and, and very interested in beat poetry, um, and so I, I, I remember receiving this CD. Um, Saltpeter was a, was a radio show on... Um, GLR and also on student radio and then it went on to be a show on um, Resonance, Resonance FM, that's right. So um, yeah, um, there's going to be more things about Ferlinghetti, keep an eye on citylights.com for more information Um, and also of course their sibling shop which is Shakespeare and Co um, in Paris. I'm so excited and honoured to be Book of the Week at Shakespeare & Co. Mrs Death, Mrs Death is Book of the Week at Shakespeare & Co. in Paris. That is one of my life dreams, honestly. So um, a shout out to them, or more to the point, condolences and love to them. And and also let's support our independent bookshops, these small bookshops that started, many of them following the template of what Ferlinghetti started. Um, my book has been out now for um, about three or four weeks now, and it's just been incredible the way that small independent bookshops have really rallied round, because um, obviously we're all in lockdown, it's a lockdown release, and it's just been amazing how people have rallied round and, and are trying to support their local bookshops and buy the cream and gold covered copies of Mrs Death, Mrs Death, which um, you can only buy in boutique and tiny shops. So thank you to all indies and condolences to all Viva Ferlinghetti, Viva Ferlinghetti. <laughs>
Sister Rosetta Tharp with My Journey to the Sky. While I was um, a young poet, as I said, I really looked up to the beat poets and I really, really love William Burroughs and Jack Kerouac and all of that. It seemed to me that's where the party was um, with the men, with the male writers um, of the beat generation. Um, So it was quite a revelation to me as a young poet to discover women writers and to discover who um, was writing around the same time. Um, Diane De Prima passed away quite recently in October 2020. Other poets and other writers were Carolyn Cassidy and Anne Waldman. Um, there was a lot going on, and it, but it felt very much like a boys' gang. A book that absolutely blew my mind was the discovery of Joyce Johnson's minor characters. If you can ever get your hand on this uh, on this book, you might be able to find it in, you know, in junk shops. Second, mine's an old second-hand copy. I've still got it. I found it in a in an old second-hand shop. Um, but it's, it's it became like a, a real kind of doorway for me. And Minor Characters is the fascinating memoir of one woman's coming of age amidst the poets and angels of the Beat Generation. Joyce Johnson offers an insider's look at the circle of rebellious visionaries as she joined downtown um, 1950s New York, and that included Allen Ginsberg, William and Joan Burroughs, Leroy Jones and the Arch Beatnik her friend and her lover, Jack Kerouac. So keep an eye out for that. I really highly recommend it. Minor Characters by Joyce Johnson. And it was by reading that book that I started to sort of research and uh, and broaden my reading. Okay, we're going to come to the present now. Let's come back into 2021. Lockdown reads. What are you reading? What are you into? Well, top of my pile is Stella Duffy. I've always been a really big fan of Stella and all her books and her writing and just her vibe. She's such a powerful, powerful woman. She has a new book out, which I'm really excited about. It's called Lullaby Beach. Um, It's... uh, Roughly, it's oh, hang on. It's a compelling novel about family secrets and the legacy of trauma set against the changing fortunes of an English seaside town from award-winning writer Stella Duffy. I'm very lucky um, to be in touch with Stella, and she sent me this recording. Lullaby Beach opens with Kitty's suicide, so it's not a spoiler to read this scene, which is her niece talking about her and talking to her at her funeral. As most of you probably know, I am not happy with you, was a Kitty phrase. Kitty's love and friendship was fierce, uncompromising and very strong. 
When our mother died, she was the rock on which we beat out our grief. It's fair to say that my sister and I were not delicate in our loss. I think we have Kitty to thank for that. We have never been delicate girls. She let us wail and roar and rage about Mum's death, encouraged us to take it right to the edge. And then she told us when it was time to get on. Kitty told us to keep going, to live alongside our grief, to live with it, not to deny it, and definitely not to buy into what she called the time heals everything crap, but to allow ourselves to grow while grieving. It was the best thing anyone could have done for us back then. She let us have our pain. And here we are, grieving, remembering she taught us how to do it, remembering it's okay to be angry and hurt with our grief, it's okay for grief to be noisy and loud and messy, just as there are times when it is also quiet and small. But the thing we really want to say, shaming the devil and the way Kitty taught us, is that we're bloody annoyed with you, Kitty. We're not happy. You could have told us, any one of us here today, you could have asked for help. You could have let us know that you've made a choice. We might not even have tried to talk you out of it. Ernestine sucked her teeth and muttered, I would. And a dozen voices joined in with, oh yes, and amen to that. Yeah, perhaps we'd all have tried, but even so. The hard bit now is how much we don't know. What was going on that you, of all people, chose to stop? That's the worst bit, Kitty. None of us ever wanted you to stop. It's impossible to imagine there being no you. We love you, and we're really sorry that you made this choice. And even though we know it was your life, and you're the one who taught Beth and me that we're in charge of our own lives, and we get to make our own choices, we're not happy with you, Kitty. At the very least, we'd have liked to say goodbye in person. This way is far too hard. And that was Stella Duffy reading from Lullaby Beach. Um, and I just I just really love that. And I can't um, wait to get stuck in with that book. Um, Duffy is a fearless writer. A po- this is a portrait of sisterhood in the wider sense, one that's as powerful and gritty as it is wise and celebratory. And as Ali Smith says, the great Ali Smith, I love her. Ali Smith says, a writer who never lets you down. And that's the truth. Okay, what do I have next? Well, I have an exclusive. What I have for you now is a track by Sybil. Sybil is a lo-fi, high-low, sad sex band fronted by Julia Davis, who you'll all know from Nighty Night and Sally Forever, and Mercedes Grower, who you'll know from Breaks, and they've joined together to create this amazing band called Sybil. This is their debut single, Lonely Life, and is out across all good music retailers as of Friday, March the 12th. So literally we have an exclusive. Also, there's an amazing video. Look out for the video. Um, Go to Google, Google Sybil. And the video is also directed and produced by Julia Davis and Mercedes Grower. Um, I worked with Mercedes on Breaks. It's an incredible film. It's a love letter to London. So there's such a beautiful eye. She's got such a good, good sense. And of course, Julia Davis is an absolute legend. We love her. So let's have a listen to this. This is called Lonely Life. Such a lonely life, such a 
Take a seat, why don't you? But I'm still asleep, so she doesn't hear. Nice familiar weight at the foot of the bed. The sort of fever guest weight. Aunt or mother, nurse or the afterfuck checkup to tuck me in. Still a little whiff of hurt in the room of procedures. Rather wonderful, actually, to be reminded of childhood sickness and postcoital exhaustion in the same second. Rather comforting. Close. Take a seat, why don't you? I heard you before, Piggy. Process. Grouse. A throwaway remark to a journalist. Twee my bloody tombstone. Quail. Red currant jus. Oysters. The pheasant stew I tried to do after we had it at the claustrophobic place when I bit down on shot. It's extraordinarily nice not to have to order or get up. It all just arrives when I think of it and somewhat offsets the embarrassment of Capello lying a mile from here when I suppose I always thought one might be murdered. Have one's throat slit or be garroted 
in an alley off Frith Street. Not comic. Vultures. Bit down on shot and regretted saying anything about accidents. I can still feel it right through me like a shock. Metal drilled in my fillings right down through my urethra buzzing in my underbladder. Edward the Martyr or Francis the Painter. Oh, hello, ducky. You look like a pastry. A slightly overdone bun. I would have you twisting to look over your shoulder, cap on, uniformed, slight formless gash where your crowded mouth is, that lovely brow like a minotaur's shoulder in the middle. Good face. Do you know the poem Picasso wrote about Guernica? I was terribly, terribly struck by it. Cries of children. Cries of women. Cries of birds. Do you know it? He says, I think, something like, Cries of the stew in the pot. Can you imagine? Scorched earth and little button mushrooms, thyme, shallots, manzanilla, I suppose something dry, all sticky in the Le Creuset. I say, bloody bring it out here. Don't bother plating it up. We'll eat from the casserole, won't we, darling? Just bread and more wine. I think that will do splendidly. Look at that. May all who see thee bless the great creator who made so fair a thing. Quite right. Quite right. So we just played Sybil, Lonely Life. Um, Incidentally, that track is the theme tune to Breaks, which is an anti-rom-com love letter to London. It's a fantastic film that stars Julia Davis and the Mighty Boosh Boys, and it's just got such an amazing cast. Check that out when you can. I followed that with an excerpt from Max Porter's audiobook, um, The Death of Francis Bacon. If you love um, Francis Bacon and if you love Max Porter, you're really going to love this new work. Coming up next, we have something from Scotland. This is uh, Michelle Fisher from Glasgow, one of my favourite Scottish poets, and this is beautiful. Let's hear from Michelle. This is called True Story. Sit me in a beer garden amidst a thunder and lightning storm, rain like snooker balls bouncing off freshly washed hair, makeup smudges and cahoots. The jicky up the Vic plays forever. He swears he never once cheated, mouths coughing up Charlie, sing along to Fleetwood Mac, undeterred. Take me to bed at 2pm. We taste like hunger and melt like the ice caps do in December. Even though we put sun cream on, it didn't save us or them. One day we'll dissolve into nothing, wiping dew from the morning faces of Mayday babies. You'll drive me to heaven. Too hot, sticky sweat binding us. Super glue fingertips to thighs, pledging absolutely nothing because it's all I have. There's no good in hoping in the hopeless and one day you'll pause for a second. Well, he saved me, echoing round your eardrum like a strobe light. So now it's time for me to give you my recommendations for your lockdown listens and reads. Um, Okay, so I've been doing quite a lot. I've been quite busy doing quite a lot of podcasts and quite a lot of radio um, and coming across some new things to listen to. So I highly recommend you check out Standard Issue 
podcast, Book Shambles podcast, uh, Backlisted podcast, The Rough Trade bo- uh, podcast. And here on Soho Radio, check out Anna Phoebe's Between Sea and Sky, as well as the Rough Trade Books, um, Rough Trade Books podcast too. That's on Mondays. So there's quite a lot of things to listen to there. Reading wise, I've got a big pile of books sitting here. Okay, so we've got The Prophets, Robert Jones is sitting here. I've got William Blake versus the world john higgs new in i've got kai miller things i would have withheld and i've also got the new one from percival everett from influx press damned if i do one of them by musa okwonga was okwonga was absolutely amazing and i just finished that was brilliant alistair gray is also here on my desk there was an alistair gray day you can find that on youtube look up gray day and it's an amazing plethora of poets and writers talking about the writer alistair gray i've got a new book here called black teacher by beryl gilroy which i'm excited about um and then of course don't forget to check out the stella duffy lullaby beach um what more can i say except that i'm very saddened by the news this week yet again another hashtag not another hashtag yet again um everyone up in arms not all men all men and all of this condolences and love to anyone that knew sarah everand and condolences and love to everyone that's just finds this stuff so triggering and so exhausting um and solidarity with all who are on the marches today for women's rights for women's freedom for women to be able to walk home at night without fear um solidarity with you all I'm going to end my little section of the show with a tiny snippet from the Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death audiobook. I tried so hard to highlight some of this ongoing crisis, our vulnerability, our grief and fear, the way men kill women, the way men kill people, from high-profile front-page murders to the unsolved and unseen crimes. I feel very much that this is a time of relentless violence and toxic masculinity, and this fury and this scream we share now is one of the reasons I was compelled to write Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. So I'm just going to share this tiny bit, which is uh, in the voice of Wolf, the young writer who's sitting on a bus. Thank you. What if I made Mrs. Death up? Is Mrs. Death real? Where are you when I need you, Mrs. Death? I jump on the bus heading eastbound. It is dead quiet and empty upstairs. I sit down and lean to let my forehead touch the glass and I watch the city from above. The window pane is cool. There is frost and snow on the dome of the roof of Madame Tussauds. And I exhale slowly and empty my lungs and my breath fogs up the window and then I suddenly cry. And once they start, The tears won't stop. Hot tears on my cold cheeks and the cool glass. There is a hurt and a pain in my chest. I feel broken. And I don't know what time or day it is. And I don't know where I am. I am guessing it is time for me to go mental in Doolally Town. The doctor has arranged to send me for further evaluation. She thinks I'm developing bipolar. I looked it up and I found out that bipolar and hormone imbalance 
and PMT and menopause and being an empath and being a human who gives a flying shit all share similar symptoms. Mood swings, hypersensitivity, restlessness, insomnia, extreme highs and extreme lows, suicidal thoughts, restlessness, catastrophizing and crying alone on buses. The world is in chaos. The earth is in climate emergency. There has been another shooting. This time a racist white supremacist Islamophobe burst into a mosque all guns blazing. We should all be crying on buses. What is wrong with everyone? I am not catastrophizing. This is a fucking catastrophe. That doctor thinks I might be bipolar. And every time I think about that word, bipolar, I start crying again. Look at me. That's me. Biracial, bisexual, bigender, and bipolar. That's my labels and my boxes. That's me. I'm the one you can see all alone crying upstairs on the bus. I am crying because I'm afraid. I'm crying because this is probably the saddest and loneliest bus ride ever. I'm crying because maybe I am a bit mad. And maybe I am crying because you aren't crying with me right now. Because you just aren't mad enough. This is Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Emma Rose and this is the art section of the show. Um, first up, we're going to have a track. This is PJ Harvey with This Is Love.
PJ Harvey with This Is Love and for this show I'm going to be playing you an extract from a new book by Jeremy Allen, Relax Baby Be Cool, about the life of Serge Gainsbourg and I will also be talking to you about NFTs which is um, a new form of, a new, I guess a new, a new form of selling art, a new medium which has emerged onto the market and that's the story really over the last couple of weeks few weeks and um yeah it's quite a story um i think it ended with um sale of an artwork at christie's for nearly 70 million dollars um i think probably that artwork was worth a fraction of that a few weeks ago so it's very interesting and um, lots of musicians have been making them and taking part too so we'll hear some music from the, some of them uh, yeah but now we are gonna have another track uh, this is the breeders with cannibal
Radio on Soho Radio. This is Emma Rose, and I'm going to talk to you about non fungible tokens, <laughs> NFTs. You might be reading about this um, around. I think it's been across all of the press by now because um, someone called Beeple is now the third most expensive living artist in the world after his work. Um, the first 5,000 days sold on auction, an auction of one work um, at Christie's online, sold for, with fees, which is important, I think it's about $60, 000, $60 million without fees and $69 million with fees-ish. Um, but so $69 million, $69.3 million. So this is a huge amount of money. Um, and I just wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about what are NFTs, what does it mean, why on earth would someone spend this money on something that isn't physical, because an NFT, a non-fungible token, um, this is the definition, because I could yabber on to you about my interpretation of it, but this is the definition that I found online and it says NFT tokens are used to create verifiable artificial scarcity in the digital domain as well as digital ownership and the possibility of um, asset interoperability which if I'm frank I don't, I'm not sure of the meaning so <laughs> sorry but basically we um, uh, it means that non-fungible tokens are used to create something unique so it is unique and it's used to um historically it's used in making crypto cryptographic art crypto art making something collectible making something digital collectible and use it a bit in gaming um so i'm but i'm not sure about that side of things i'm just talking about the art side and so basically it's interesting because this is not a physical object it's a digital object, purely digital, and yet it's sold for this huge amount of money. Digital art has a funny place within the art world where it's obviously, clearly, because of the age we live in, very advanced, very cutting edge. People don't really understand it. People don't understand how it's made. People don't understand how to value it. People don't really understand how to sell it. And this is where this story comes in because... This is people finally getting to the point where they can sell something digital in a way that the market understands and recognises. Um, 
And yeah, we'll see where this goes. There are some kind of cool works that people have made, really interesting things. Grimes sold an NFT this week. Um, Zongamin sold NFTs. I think his NFT went up for auction this week. Jack Dorsey, um, head of Twitter, is selling his first tweet as an NFT for charity. Um, uh, I think all the proceeds are going to at give directly africa response if you want to have a look at that um it's it's a free-for-all basically and i think kind of what we are talking about as being an nft now will not be what we're talking about as an nft perhaps even in six months time but definitely in a year um but it's got two sides to it where Obviously, this massive inflation and value of a certain part of the market, which is a little scary when that happens. You wonder what's going to happen. I imagine there are lots of people buying and selling NFTs that will not be making $70 million out of those transactions. And maybe the value of the NFTs they are buying will not endure. But that could, I guess, be said for any object for an auction. Um, so I think it's going to be a lot of interesting conversations happening around this, but essentially, um, it's a massive shift and a change in a really old traditional industry. It will be interesting to see how that one pans out. Um, but next up, let's have Grimes with We Appreciate Power.
chatting a little bit about nfts there i felt like i should add that what you will see when you're looking at one is a picture but you'll see it in your computer you'll see it in the digital space and only there um yeah so interesting to see what happens with all of that um next up i'm gonna play you an excerpt from relax baby be cool uh book by Jeremy Allen, the um, venerated music journalist about the legend, the man and the legend that is Serge Gainsbourg. So here's Jeremy reading an extract from his book. Winning the Eurovision Song Contest in 1965 was the breakthrough Serge Gainsbourg had been waiting for. It didn't make him famous as a singer, it was France Gall who won with Poupie de Sire, Poupie de Son after all but it elevated him to a new special place in the pantheon of songwriters available for hire. Overnight, he was the toast of the French music industry. The French had actually passed on Poupie de Sire, which is how he and Gao and conductor Alain Gorga came to be representing Luxembourg under the tutelage of the TV producers Marit and Gilbert Charpentier. Marit and Gilbert were a televisual power couple in France and French-speaking regions, who remained indomitable in their field for the four decades before they retired. At the time, they produced up to six shows a week for Radio Luxembourg, and Gainsbourg had been writing songs regularly for their shows. Poupie de Sire, Poupie de Son won the 10th edition of the Eurovision, and stylistically, it was in contrast to all of the previous victors up to that point. At about 155 beats per minute, it is a song that could reasonably be described as upbeat, as opposed to all the big showy ballads that went before it, and it dragged the final kicking and screaming into the 60s, modernising the contest by sheer force of its brilliance. It would influence what was to come, right down to the lyrical content and studied kookiness 
with Sandy Shaw's Puppet on a String, a winner for the UK two years later. What's more, the fact it was so successful really annoyed the French, who'd gone with crooner Guy Mardell in a yachting club blazer, singing the words Jamais over and over again over a pedestrian waltz. In classic Gainsbourg style, the song borrows liberally from Beethoven, reinterpreting a section from the composer's Piano Sonata No. 1, while the lyrics provide a meta-analysis of the modern performer, a mannequin who we project our fantasies upon, trapped forever in our own songs. My records are a mirror in which everyone can see me, she sings. I am everywhere at once, broken into a thousand voices. There is a sense that, as a doll, everything she does is for an external master, controlling her destiny and even using her for his own ends, a Svengali or Bamraku figure. Sometimes when I'm alone, I sigh, she sings. I ask myself, what good is it, singing about love without reason, without knowing anything about boys? The second part of the English title, Puppet of Sound, is often translated as Puppet of Sawdust. This double meaning undermines idealised dreams of stardom further, and is a knowing nod to Igor Stravinsky's ballet Petruska about the loves and jealousies of three puppets. There's a sense that the singer is stuffed and shaped and made to order, and that it wouldn't really matter who was delivering the lines. Glamour is turned on its head, and once stardom is attained, the Sisyphean drudgery starts all over again. This meta-awareness is everywhere now, but to be part of the pizzazz would have been an enviable position in 1965 with few thinking about the smoke and mirrors of show business, and fewer still engendered with feelings of cynicism and contempt for the entertainment machine. And now let's hear that song. This is Poupie de Seer, Poupie de Son, sung by France Gall, written by Serge Gainsbourg. You can buy Relax Baby Be Cool in all good bookshops and online. Chacun peut me voir 
met l'éclat de voix. That was France Girl with Poupée de Cire, Poupée de Sang, and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. Um, this has been my art section. I hope you've enjoyed my ramblings about NFTs. And obviously we've had Jeremy's wonderful clip, as well as everything else that's been brought to you by Selena, Matt and I over the course of this show. Um, I can't wait to record it together, no matter how much I love doing these um lockdown shows I am so looking forward to hopefully next time when we will come to you as a unit again it's really exciting um next up I'm going to play a track by um Tamaga who um one half of which Tom Raylene passed away sadly last year at the age of 42 um he's released this album or they have sorry released this album posthumously and this is a track called very Never, My Mind Extends, and it features Kathy Lucas of Vanishing Twin on vocals. So please enjoy this. The album is out um, on the 26th of March, and it's called Intimate Immensity.
Um, you're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. That was my section. I'm Emma Rose with Matt and Selena, and that was Roaring Twenties Radio. Hello. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Jam-packed with stuff, as always. We love making it like this, but big, can't wait to get back together next month, maybe? Fingers yeah. crossed. Oh, wow. Oh, next next fingers month. Crossed. Fingers crossed we'll be able to do it together next month. Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then, shock horror, guests. <laughs> real live guests and real live seeing your real life faces in real life. That would be so exciting, man. Yeah, I feel quite emotional about it already. Um, Same. Yeah, and these lockdown shows have been challenging but fantastic. I think we've really covered some amazing stuff. When you look back over the last 12 months, I mean, it's not just been about the pandemic. Politically, it's been a crazy year. Culturally, it's been really dramatic. We were looking at a complete... We're stepping out into a different cultural landscape now, and I think that's really exciting. Yeah, it is. I think there's I think there's going to be some really exciting things to come from this. I mean, we've learned how to make art, how to do how to perform and make shows in our own houses. We've all got we've all got like a million more skills now. I mean, um as a DIY artist, you know, we kind of had to do quite a lot of our own stuff always anyway, making our own videos and making our own, you know, making the best out of nothing with no no funding um so yeah so let's let's yeah it's kind of like going up the ante isn't it yeah i also yeah. think it makes you re makes you think uh, it certainly makes me think about why i'm creating art and who's listening to it and who's consuming it and what purpose it's serving so like i'm not saying that all art now has to be like directly political but i just think that if you're going to put something out in the world and you're going to take up space with your art it needs to be worthwhile like so i think i think art's going to change in that sense as well like i think if the whole world's had a bit of a shake with everything that's happened since the pandemic, like with the murder of George Floyd and everything that's happening, I think it's just, yeah, art's changed big time. Yeah, it has. Um, and yeah, um, let, let's kind of, as um, as we started the show with, as Selena started the show with, let's, you know, keep the tables turning. Mm. Yeah, it's very exciting, very exciting times. We'll capture Thanks them all. for listening, everybody. My headphones yeah. and speakers just went really like echoey in my head. And I'm like, whoa, it's oh, the no. vaccination coming. It's a vaccine. On. It is. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We have your information. Stop it. Silly. Stop listening, Very Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Gates, stop listening to my secret poems. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. You can catch up with all of our shows. Where can they catch up, Matt? Will you tell everyone? Um, yeah, you can get it wherever you would regularly find your podcasts. So in your regular podcast provider or at anchor.fm forward slash Roaring Twenties Radio. Find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Roaring Twenties Radio as well. And we'll be back on Saturday the 10th of April. Who knows where we'll be or how we'll do it. But Saturday the 10th of April is when we're back with the next episode. So please share it until then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cool. Bye. Bye. Feeling happy now. I see you feel the pain at all it seems. I wonder what you're doing now. I wonder if.
some more. I said, try. Try. 